Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Talk Streamers Podcast. My name is Simon. Today, I'm joined by Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hey, Simon. How's it going? Very well, mate. I'm also joined by Adam. Say hello, Adam. Hi, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, I'd imagine they are, unless they are Manchester United fans. We're going to come straight to the uh, the opening game of the week, uh, of the match week. Uh, Man United hosted... Um, a decent Everton side, and, and we're only able to keep a point from the Toffees. Uh, I'm going to come to you, Paul. Uh, give us, give us a, your thoughts on the match. Ah, just so many good things to like about this match and result. <laughs> um, like just yeah, to start with, not starting Ronaldo. Obviously, it looks stupid now, but I think it looks stupid all the time if you're like struggling to not keep his job but keep everyone on side. And then yeah, the match itself. I just thought Everton looked like the team who were well-organized and knew what they were doing, whereas United looked like they were just hoping, as they usually do, though, and it usually works, just hoping for some brilliance from anyone, really. And, um, yeah, I think they were lucky. Big deflection on the first goal, as we discussed. And, uh, yeah, they were lucky to go in 1-0 up. But, yeah, I think overall it was kind of... I think uh draw was kind of deserved by both teams. Um, But, yeah, it's just... When you have Solskjaer versus Benitez, it's basically just like a clash of two different managers. Benitez is just so like tacti- tactically aware. And he kind of has to be, obviously, because he doesn't have the players. Yeah. But Solskjaer just seems to be not winging it, but like close to because he's got such a good squad. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people would agree with you as well. I mean, I mean, they are two different caliber of managers. I mean, I, do, I wouldn't even put them anywhere near the same bracket. I, I, I wouldn't put... Rafa Benitez anyway, near the same um, like depth as <laughs> all got social is. I don't know. His managerial CV just looks like <laughs> so. It looks like he won a competition, really. Um, <laughs> it looks like he's, he's in charge of Cardiff. He was a char- in charge of Oda, and then he won some sort of grand competition. I like that. He has something terrible against the board um, <laughs> that should be a, should be released upon having been sacked. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like the the draw was the right result. 
I feel like Rafa got a lot of things right. I think, you know, Man United's whole sort of tactic of just relying on individual brilliant or moments of brilliant is, um, it's just, it's not any sort of foundation for consistency, is it? You know, wondering where that, where that next moment of quality is going to come from. Um, and I don't understand why he's so insistent in being a counter-attacking side either. But they really only need sort of maybe one signing to move into a sort of like really dominant possession. I mean, it's all about possession these days, isn't it? If it's for, for league competitions, isn't it? You know, you can go counter-attacking yeah. and win a, win, a, win a tournament, you know, because that, that, that's very much suited to tournament football. But when it comes to the league, where you're, it's week in, week out. Um, I just, I don't know if it's any sort of foundation to, to mount a true, you know, title challenge I feel like yeah. he was a little bit naive to drop <clears throat> Ronaldo I understand he's 36 but still it's like this is a, an Everton that is I think fourth or third in the league when they played this match so I don't understand why you'd be resting any players to play that side aside in form you know Adam what, what were your thoughts I, I, I actually think from from the system point of view and and, and why United are, uh, and, and Ollie are so insistent in playing this sort of counter-attacking style of football I would actually put it out there that I think potentially he's scared. And, and what I mean by that is you saw when he first came into the club and, and they had the, the success after the three months where he was the caretaker and, and then it all went a bit downhill. He was trying to play a sort of more possession-based attacking style of football then. And he, he got hurt. I remember they lost quite a, a significant amount of games and that was where... Um, I think the first sort of signs started emerging that he's definitely not the right coach. He's definitely not at the level of Manchester United. And and it's sort of since then, he, he sort of developed this. And again, it's like Moments FC. It's it's very much we're going to sit and, and try and defend, soak up pressure, hit you on the counter, and then hope that one of our many attacking talents just does something and bails us out of jail. Um, and that's very much been the tactic for, for a long time now. And, and I do think it, it is down to the fact that he's maybe scared to go back to that because while while he gets criticized a lot for how it's going at the minute they're not necessarily losing an awful lot of games like they're dropping points for sure but they're not losing and i i think Solskjaer's in a position where he's been told if he gets top four his job is safe and i think regardless of how the season goes man united will get top four just because of the quality of the squad um so yeah i, I would i would maybe put across that it is potentially more of a he doesn't want to go back to how it was before. Um, in terms of this game, though, I, I again, I think a draw was a fair result. I thought Everton looked organised. Um, they did well, actually. I, I thought at times they they put on a bit of a press, which is which is unlike a, a Rafa Benitez team to sort of win the ball. I thought Decore did that especially well. Um, Decore pretty much. I mean, Alan needs his fair credit, but I, I thought Decore especially pretty much dominated that midfield. Um, I thought he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I think for me, it's this obsession with, with Solskjaer when it comes to Fred and McTominay, he, he seems to just, I, I don't know, like, I, I think even Matic would be better in, in that position, maybe alongside a, a, a Pogba or, or Van de Beek, like, which, what happened to that guy? Um, <laughs> I just, you, you know, it just, it seems so bizarre to me that he keeps playing these two when they, they clearly don't work as a, uh, as a pair. And, uh, and and I mean, it went to show it again today, uh, sorry, uh, the other day when, you know, Decore is, is pretty much one man. I mean, again, like I said, Alan played well as well, but I think even with Decore just in that midfield, he just he just dominated them and he made it look so easy. Um, 
And and obviously, look, of course, don't let's not forget, Everton had the chance to go and win that game. If Tom Davies was just a little bit, maybe a confidence thing, I'm not sure why he played the pass to Yeri Mina. That was he was in a great situation yeah. to that, wasn't himself. it? Um, I, I think I he mean, was scared of messing. Scared of messing. Potentially, it just it looked so obvious to me that he, he was offside. I I just I don't know why he played the pass. Um, but but look over the balance of the game, I think I think a draw was was probably a fair result. Um, I, I do just want to touch quickly on Luke Shaw as well, though, because th- this sort of links into a, a Ben Chilwell chat we'll have later um, with Chelsea. And it's I've noticed a lot of English players. I don't know if you guys have a lot of English players since going back from the Euros have looked just really crap like they've been really <laughs> underwhelming um and i know they had they had the, the conversation on sky i think it was uh Henri and carragher that was talking about it and Henri was saying after coming back from an international tournament how sort of just mentally drained he was all the time and and i i think i think shaw sort of showed more signs of it today i, I thought i well i thought firstly he didn't look fit um, and and secondly, for for the Everton goal, he was the guy that just got absolutely skinned by the Corey. Um, it was it was a brilliant sort of sort of skip, and then and then for the the chance with Tom Davies or Tom Davis, um, I sort of forget his second name. Um, <laughs> Shaw, Shaw was just nowhere to be seen down that side. I, I don't. I I remember like seeing the chance, and I just couldn't even see Shaw in the frame. Um, I don't think he looked fit enough. I thought he was very, very poor positioning, like I said. And 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 it is going for a lot of English players at the minute. I don't know if it was something that you guys have picked up on. It's definitely a well-made point. I mean, I think when I think you know, I think it depends how deep you go into the tournament, doesn't it? In terms <coughs> of how how it's going to affect you physically and mentally, and obviously going all the way to the final and not winning it is is is, is you know. It's it's all the expended effort, all the expend expended sort of men, mental fatigue, with none of the reward. Um, so I think you know we're still early into the season, um, and yeah, I think a couple of these players could have a, an upturn in, in form, um, especially Luke Shaw, who's expected to play every single week in that in that Solskjaer side. Um, Paul Andros Townsend, what a turnaround! What a turnaround! He's about <laughs> spoken in the media about how like he was like very aware that no one expected him to succeed at Everton. At all, um, yeah. But he's 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 having a great old time, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's he's having an unreal time. And like I've always, I think Palace fans always rated him, and I always thought he's a decent player. Just yeah, he like what he came out with Spurs and did well, and then it was he was at Newcastle. Was Benitez his coach at Newcastle, or it could have been before Benitez? But I like, think, no, yeah, like, I think he was. Um, I yeah. think him and him, him and Towson have a previous relationship, or have been in touch through other sources yeah. as well. Um, it seems like a perfect Benitez signing, one that could go horribly wrong, but one that if it works well, Benit or like Townsend is the sort of player he kind of would. He doesn't. He isn't like a big enough player to be like, ah, fuck off, Benitez. I'm not listening to you. Like he kind of would need Benitez to help him and improve his game, and you can see like. Well, we saw like with Jared and Torres back in the day how much he did for them. Mm-hmm. So if players are smart, and I said it about Gray as well, if you listen to Benitez and kind of forget that he's like a bit of a weirdo and doesn't really talk to you, if you kind of put that to the back of your mind and actually listen Lesson to his what points, the man has to say, yeah, yeah then uh, you can actually go pretty far. And it seems like Townsend and Gray have just kind of bought into whatever Benitez is saying and are kind of the two standout performers like, they missed, they didn't even have Calvert-Lewin and it obviously made a difference. I think Rondon was the sitter at the start, but uh, yeah, like it didn't make that much of a difference in the end. I mean, to get a point at Old Trafford, right, when you're missing Richarlison, who was 
a, a key player for this Everton side. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin has a lot of people put as the. Well, I think he was very much the the linchpin under the in, under the Ancelotti era. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any sort of. I don't think Rafa Benitez necessarily likes to play with just uh, any sort of one player being super overly key to the the whole system. Um, he's yeah. very much a sort of like everybody works for the team type of coach. And he came out and slated James Rodriguez. He doesn't want to compete. Rafa says he'd rather just get paid money uh, and have an easy time uh, in Qatar. And wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, like the guy who doesn't want to listen to Benitez. He's like, I'm just going to Qatar and taking the money. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot deal with this man. Um, <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah, so Demario Gray was in touch with, with Rafa Benitez before the move even happened. And when Rafa Benitez was maybe in between jobs or looking to move, um, there was always that sort of just communication. Uh, oh, right. Rafa most likely just texted him saying, you have to apply this to your game. And Demario texts him back, this is it's three in the morning. <laughs> Why are you, <laughs> <laughs> you texting me saying I need to press more? <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine it. Yeah, he's uh, he's getting the band back together. Solomon Rondon, a player that was um, really, really good for Rafa under yeah. uh, at Newcastle. Um, who was the the Mitrovic sort of one for one replacement when Mitrovic went off to Fulham? Uh, yeah, so going really, really well at Everton. It seems that the Everton fans seem to be buying into Rafa, and he's he's very much that kind of coach. He's he's a he's a great he's a great coach. I really really enjoyed him at Liverpool, and um, it was good to have him you know, sort of back in the league because. Uh, He's, he's a good man. He's a good test. He's a good sort of like testing strip for the other managers to show their quality. You know, when yeah. all the other social comes up against a Rafa Benitez, you know, it's never going to really be an easy time. And it can kind of like point out the flaws in the systems of other managers as well, Rafa, because he's quite good at exploiting the weaknesses yeah, yeah, of the opposition exactly. as well, isn't he? You know, pressing yeah. in areas where he wouldn't, where he might not normally do against another opposition. Uh, but we have to move on, boys. Uh, back. Um, Chelsea are back to the bridge and they get uh, a three points. I think two two games without a win. Now they now they get their three points against Southampton. A red card for James Ward Prowse, which means his um, con- consecutive um, Premier League starts record goes out the window. We need to start it again and get right up past the hundred point, which is disappointing for him. But yeah, um, Chelsea again uh, another win um, in the league, still right up there near the top uh, at the top of the league, should I say? Um, Southampton struggling though. I think a game without James Ward-Prowse is pretty much a write-off for Southampton at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I think you just completely nailed it on the head. Um, the game was was comfortable for Chelsea, just another really comfortable win. Um, obviously, the one sort of shaky moment really was the, uh, the Chilwell tackle, which was just it was just really um, sloppy. I thought. Um, and I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people blaming it on the fact that it was raining and and it was a, a slippy surface. So, so I, I guess maybe that plays into it a little bit. But I just I thought it was just a really lazy tackle that he didn't need to make, um, which obviously gave Southampton a goal from from the penalty spot. Um, I, apart from that, I think Chelsea were pretty much flawless. Just controlled the game really, really well. Um, uh, another completely domination, <coughs> dominating performance from Chelsea. Um, yeah, you, as you said, though, I think you've, you're going to be really worrying if you're a Southampton fan now. I think they were in serious danger beforehand, despite, um, to be fair, getting two points against uh, both Manchester clubs, um, which was which was really good. Unlucky not to beat City as well, actually. But yeah, um, I, I think they're they're one of the more favourable shouts for for the relegation this season. I think they'll definitely be in the fight. 
Um, but now again, with without James Ward-Prowse, as you said, you, you can almost write the next game off for them. Um, I'm, I'm not actually too sure who that is, but I don't see him winning it. No, um, I really don't. I'd I be really worried for them. Extremely cater side, and it's all well and good getting getting a point against the big sides, but it's not necessarily what keeps you up. It'll keep you up is getting the three points where it matters against the teams around you, depriving the teams around you of points and, and putting points in the board yourself, which I just feel like <coughs> Southampton maybe aren't going to do this season as much as they could. I mean, I know they've kind of surprised me. I thought they would really, really struggle, like really struggle to get any points on the board because I just felt they were picked apart. Um, I, I'm surprised Ralph, I think he's just one of the guys that just loves living in misery, just loves relishing <laughs> A challenge when he's back up against the wall. I don't know how he's how he's putting up with his side being consistently picked apart. How can he ever expect to gain any sort of a momentum if every time he gets any player of real quality, they're plucked away from him almost immediately? I think if James yeah. Ward-Prowse exited, that might have been him out the door. You know, there's only so much a manager can take, and you know, I, I, I'm not massively. I mean, Southampton have been in, in, in the Premier League for a good few seasons now, and you'd probably expect, you know, more investment. It's not as if they're selling players, but they don't need to... I don't feel like they need to sell these players for these prices. I don't feel like you need to go and sell Danny Ings for, for 30 million, you know? Or whatever it was. I think it was about 30 million, but I, I don't know if that's a massively ambitious club, which is, I'm sure is a disappointment for the for the fans at St. Mary's. Uh, we next move to Wolves, Newcastle. Bruno Lars puts another three points on the board, which you'll be very happy with, because he has played some extraordinary football at Wolves. It just seems... <laughs> just seems to not have been able to put the back, back uh, the ball in the back of the net, but enter Newcastle to rectify that um, relatively quickly. Um, Paul, come back to you. Um, yeah, another another loss for for the Newcastle bunch in the in the Magpies are still pretty angry that Bruce is at the helm. Yeah, I think this was a big one for the for Newcastle fans. I'd say they kind of looked at this as maybe a draw or a win. Like Wolves haven't really got started. Um, but yeah, the two goals by Quang were just, I love them. I thought they were unbelievable. Just little side foot finishes into the corner. I don't know if you saw them. Um, I was especially happy with them because I think Billy put it in the group a few months ago laughing that they had signed this fella who he'd never watched play. So more than happy <laughs> that he got two goals. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Wolves are just, uh, I just, I always want them to do well. I don't know why. And um, so yeah, hopefully this will be like the start of, a run of form where they can kind of I don't think I think Europe is probably out of reach since they started so poorly but and with Jimenez and stuff not uh, hitting form yet but yeah I'd like them to be mid-table and comfortable so that they can um, I don't know grow the squad again for next season because obviously this season was always going to be a one in transition um, so yeah it was a good win but yeah beating Newcastle I guess everyone expects to beat them like Newcastle are in, are in huge trouble like you talk about Southampton but the thing about Southampton is you could see them like buying their way out of trouble or trying to buy their way out of mm-hmm. trouble in transfer window, but you just don't know what Newcastle will do. I rate Southampton's manager a lot better than Steve Bruce as well. <laughs> I think Jason exactly. Hill does play some decent football on his day, and I think he's getting a lot out of these players. That maybe, even though they're not doing particularly well, I think maybe some of these players are performing a little bit above their ability yeah. necessarily, but you'd never ever think that looking at a Bruce side. You'd think no. the opposite looking at a Bruce side. I think when you look at these players in the pitch, and you think, how are these players <laughs> like nowhere near it i mean yeah um 
you know, you see moments of brilliance from like a, a Saint Maximum or a Miguel Amaron, uh young Joe Willick, I think that they're extremely fortunate to get. Um just for the boy was desperate to get minutes. I think he would have went really anywhere if he if he was guaranteed playing time. And you know, I've got a lot of respect for players that are like that and they do really don't want to see any sort of stagnation in your career. And the type of player he is, I think Arsenal could probably do with a player like that. I think he could probably fit that system. So he's maybe missed a trick there. But you know, there's a lot of decent players in this Newcastle side. I think they're a bit shy at the back. Um I think they're probably in the bottom sort of four or between four and six of, of you know, back lines in the league. I think they're definitely on that lower end. But yeah, I mean as long as as long as they're in the Premier League, Mike Ashley will, will keep Bruce at the helm. He'll, he'll keep any sort of yes man that's not going to really question him too much because every time Bruce has even had a hint of uh, coming out in the media and, and, and talking about how um, how unambitious this club is, um, the the board have just you know disregarded him completely. <laughs> they know they know very much that he is at their mercy. He's not a manager that's going to go away and get employed by another Premier League club next week. Um, unless Watford suddenly <laughs> suddenly um, slash another manager, um, I want to come next uh, briefly to the the Burnley uh, Norwich City fixture. I'm going to come back to you, Adam. I mean, this is the I say this game every weekend probably. This is a game that nobody asked for. Um, I mean, I've literally got in my notes as the first line under this game. This is the game no one wants to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last out there. This was very much no no. I mean, which is, you know, if, if, if these two sides are going to play each other, you, you at least expect that maybe one of them goes in and has a, a bit of a, you know, an off day and go and score a few goals. Well, McNeil <laughs> missed the, It was a sitter that McNeil missed, though, wasn't it? Uh, Dwight McNeil. Um, I, I actually, I, I thought he's, he's actually played really well this season, to be fair. I think, um, I spoke about it a couple of times, I think, especially after the Liverpool game, where Burnley are, they're still Burnley, but at times they have played a little bit more freely. Um, and especially in, in the game, like I said, against Liverpool, they weren't really frightened to press from the front at times and, and try and win the ball up high. Um, I think Dwight McNeil's been, been a, a really, really big part of that. And um, I, th- I think he's actually had a really good season. So disappointing for him not to not to not to finish that chance that he that he wasted. Um, but yeah, as I said before, this I think it had nil nil written all over it. This one just wasn't a very interesting watch at all. I mean, when you look at the board and you think you think Norwich are pretty fortunate to get this point at Burnley. For me, they're down. <laughs> like, I understand it's the beginning of yeah. October. Uh, Norwich are down for me, hundred percent. I mean, um, I feel very bad for their fan base that they have to operate and with owners that are very much happy to be in a top twenty six club and come out and speak about that publicly as well is, is a bit disappointing. You'd expect your, your your team to have some sort of ambition of you know maybe going on and, and becoming some sort of force in the league and and maybe doing yeah. like you know a Wolves where you kind of you're almost an, an established Premier League side within a matter of years. You know, it wasn't too long ago that Wolves came up. Um, yeah, I, I disappointing for their fans. Um, but Burnley is just business, business as usual. Burnley um, under Sean Dyche's reign, who I believe is is he the, the longest reigning manager in the league? Uh, he must be. I think he might be. Must be. I only mention that because of the next game we come to as Leeds Watford Watford um, sacked on manager um, Young Cisco, whatever his second name was. He wasn't there long enough for me to learn it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, 
Yeah, and uh, they've got an uh, Claudio Ranieri who apparently rejected some offers from Italian clubs to to come to Watford. Um, just just likes the just likes the UK apparently. But um, yeah, Watford carry on the, the tradition of sacking managers as soon as anything looks remotely unpleasant. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> they weren't even doing that bad though. I don't think. No, I, they I, weren't. I don't you know, I, I don't know. think they're doing all right. Were. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a weird old place it must be. Uh, the weird thing is, you you, you watch a, like a, a Ben Foster a Ben Foster vlog, and everything looks rosy around the camp. But you know, there's just like constant. It must be weird to just operate in your job role, knowing there's like an axe floating above your head, and you don't know when it's going to drop because <laughs> yeah. you know it could be because the the board roll caught on the wrong side of the bed or whatever. But yeah, it's it's very much. I mean, I wonder how 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 long Claudio will last because um, there was a time I think. Not the last time Fulham were up, but the time before where uh, Claudio Ranieri had them sitting 17th um, and they sacked him and ended up going down. But it kind of looked as if they were going to just manage to stay up. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the goal will be very much for them to stay up this season, which I think could be doable. I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why. I think their squad is, 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 is fairly okay. Um, but I think we should yeah. obviously go on and talk about Leeds, who got a, a good three points. So this is where I say that as we go into these sort of colder months, I think this is where we could see maybe. First win of the season for them, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. It is indeed, yeah. So they've got points on the board now, and it'll be interesting to see if Leeds can go on and, and really put the pressure <clears> on some sides. Paul, what are your opinions on that? Yeah, I think, yeah, what you said, like they'll just be. They'll just be disappointed with how they started, but they've had a couple of injuries, which has affected. And then, like, as you we were talking about earlier, the Euros and, like, Calvin Phillips and stuff just coming back. Like, all that, their pre-seasons have been um, a bit different. So, yeah, I'd say, like, there's no danger of them going down. So, I think, yeah, just they'll be just looking onwards and upwards, I guess, um, and see if they can kind of build on this. And, yeah, I think with the Watford thing as well, just to go back to it, I think... I always think Ranieri is a bit of a dodgy appointment, but at least the team hasn't like been taken a beating so far. Like their confidence should be where you'd expect, kind of not even that low. Mm-hmm. It started quite well, so the second weird the line flattered them a little bit though against Leeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Ben Foster had a really good game actually. Um, Leeds were unlucky to to maybe not get three goals. Um, but yeah, I mean, in saying that, to be fair, I think did Watford. It was. Watford had that disallowed goal, didn't they? Um, I thought that was actually a little bit harsh, to be fair, from the corner. See that a few times this season. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think Leeds were with a far better team. I think Watford were were maybe a bit a bit fortunate not to take a bit of a drumming uh, in this one. But, yeah, yeah, like like you, like you said, with uh, changing manager, you might get that managerial boost. Um, New manager, maybe, maybe. they love it at Watford. They love it. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. they get it, sometimes Twice they don't. <laughs> uh, either way, <laughs> either way, the uh, it'll be it'll be disappointing to see Claudio go before the season ends, uh, and then probably uh, Kiki Sanchez Flores gets his probably third goal. I'd say sometime in uh, February or March. Uh, so look forward to that, Watford fans. Um, let's go to the the Amex where uh, Brighton hosted. Um, Arsenal, uh, a no, no draw. Not necessarily a, a boring game. I thought it was a, a decent few chances in the game. Um, but I think if you probably offered this to either side beforehand, they might have took the draw, might have took the point. Um, I think Arsenal probably went out and, and I think they had some good moments, and it's, it's, I think it was good for them for to to, to not concede. Uh, if you if you would ask me what team would, would probably edge this match, I think maybe Brighton 
kind of edged it for me a little bit. I mean, I think the Shane Duffy header, he was hugely disappointing to miss because he has a lot of time to, to point at the target. I think if he hits anywhere in the goal, he probably scores there. Um, fellow Irishman, Shane Duffy, Paul. Uh, <laughs> what a romantic <laughs> resurgence that is that, that nobody's seen coming. Um, surely bodes well for the, the for the Irish national team. Um, uh, but you thought it's... Unfortunately. it's um, I mean, I think when you look back to when Chris Hutton was, was sacked um, from Brighton, a lot of fans thought it was pretty harsh. Um, I thought it was pretty harsh at the time, but if you'd have told them in a, in a couple of years' time that a draw at Arsenal would be a relatively disappointing result for Brighton, um, I think they would have took it. Yeah, of oh, course. For sure. um, um, I think when the manager's been there for so long, sorry, uh, the fans are always going to be upset. Like, But it was the same. I remember Southampton sacked Nigel Atkins and brought in Pochettino. Mm. And you, you just... It's the same with players. Like you got to bring in the better player if he's available, and it's always a risk, obviously, with the manager. But um, yeah, Brighton, I think, will be had the better of this match. And but I think, yeah, both teams would be happy with the draw, and Arsenal, especially, not conceding to yeah away, they'll be happy enough as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, change times for Arteta. I think she maybe go pretty swimmingly with that, that brand new back line of uh, you know Tommy Asu and Gabriel and uh, Ben White, and, and even. Aaron Ramsdale is... I mean, we were all laughing at it, weren't we? I was laughing at it when they signed Aaron Ramsdale. I was thinking, what are they doing? This is not really what they massively need. They need, you know, someone in midfield um, to back up, like, you know, Party and, and Jacker. Um, but, you know, it, it seems to be a relatively decent sign. I'm seeing performances that are probably better at a level above than, than Leno was producing. So, you know, maybe maybe he's Arsenal. He's Arsenal recruiting teams. But, uh <laughs> We've just been filling us the whole time. We actually know what they're doing. <laughs> no, of course not, because I seen Nicholas Pepe on this pitch and he was shocking. <laughs> uh, Adam, do you have any thoughts on this match? Um, no, I, I, again, I mean, look, it's a, a good point for for both teams, as you said before. Um, Brighton was sitting was sitting quite happy before before the game, well, before the weekend. Sorry, at the, at the top of the table, um, and uh, but I, I think I think. Most importantly for Arsenal, because um, we know how diverse their fan base is, I think it was important for them to understand that this was a good point. Obviously, after off, off the back of uh, blowing Tottenham away in the uh, in the North London derby, we we know how there's a, a certain part of Arsenal fans that, that love getting carried away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it, it was important for them to know that this this was a, a good point because they were never gonna. You know, you, you beat Tottenham, you blow Tottenham away. You're not going to go and win every single game, and and look, especially how how Brighton are playing at the moment. Um, well, sorry, I say it at the moment, I get like dragged into this. Brighton have played like this for the last two years. The <laughs> just the chances just, seem to be dropping. The chances are just dropping now, and and you know, as as we, we've spoken about before, Graham Potter has has quickly become the flavour of the month. A lot of Tottenham fans saying that saying that they want him and. Yeah, and and this and that, but but yesterday he was uh, sorry last season he was laughed at. Um, yeah, you know they, they they had the highest XG in the entire. I felt like this was a, bit, league. Of a, they were, they were a bit of a last season result for for Brighton. I think they had I think twenty one or twenty two shots and only two of them on target. <laughs> yeah. I mean sometimes I mean it's like that football manager thing where they put shit more often on, and then the players <laughs> just start shooting from ridiculous. Huh? Like, I mean Brighton do they can't they they are guilty of like turning into stormtroopers. Like for a wee while, where they just kind of it's shooting all over the place, but it's not really to any real effect, is it? <laughs> um, but 
you know, I think that the fact they have became a bit more clinical this season has turned them into this um, real set. I mean, I think a, a season in Europe would be would be really huge for Brighton fans. I think they would, they'd be greatly appreciated. I think they'll be considered that a massively successful season um, if they would enter either the Conference or the Europa um, or even top four would be. I would still say like a long old time away, but you know, you never know if they keep they could if they continue to just keep beating sides and not lose, and you know, come the end of the season. Man United take a bad, a bad run. Um, you know, you know, you never know. You never know. Wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out, folks. Uh, speaking of Tottenham, we go to um, Spursy Stadium where they hosted um, Billy Boy's beloved Villa, uh, where they beat them two one. Uh, give us your thoughts on the match, Adam. Um, I I thought Tottenham looked all right. To be fair, obviously, especially a lot better um, from the from the Arsenal game. Um, Son came in, looked looked better, looked more dangerous. I think he was he was probably had a bit of a quiet one against uh, against Arsenal. This was the first game where I actually thought Harry Kane looked pretty good. Um, we've slated him um, obviously a lot for, for the start of start of the season. And 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 look, I love slagging off Harry Kane. I don't like the guy, <laughs> um, but I thought he did all right. He, he missed. He did miss a big chance. Um, he did miss a big chance where uh, he, I think it was towards the end of the game where he was sort of bursting through from, from the left-hand side of the box and, and he definitely should have done better with it. Um, but I, I thought overall he, he played pretty well. Um, I was most impressed with uh, Hoybierg though. Obviously he gets the goal, which by the way, it was a beautiful finish uh, into the bottom right-hand corner, placed it placed it with, uh, with, with brilliant technique, if I do say so myself. Um, for me, it was more the, the sort of that desire back from him. Um, they brought in Hoy, uh, Tottenham brought in Hoybier to be that sort of that guy in the middle of the park that that, that sort of has that passion. Uh, he breaks up play. He, he's fighting for every ball. He's got that constant heart desire to to win games of football. Um, and last week he was heavily criticised for the game sort of bypassing uh, bypassing him. And I think there was a moment where even and Dombele, who's sort of quite although he's technically very good he's, he seemed to be quite a lazy player and, and there was a moment where he, even he was sort of overtaking uh, Hoybierg to get back and in this game I thought Hoybierg just sort of dominated the midfield um, he sort of kept kept Aston Villa um, at, at bay um, reasonably well for the whole game um, although the scoreline suggests it, it was more of a tight game than then uh, from from sort of the face of it, I, I think Tottenham were actually very comfortable in this and, and maybe could have even won, won by an extra goal or two, to be honest. I feel like this was quite an important game for Tottenham to win. I think if they lose this, then Nuno actually starts to have questions asked about him. Um, but like you said, I mean, Hoiberg had to lay down a marker. I think he was one of the better players in the Jose Mourinho era at at Tottenham I mean he was, he's very much that sort of shithouse midfielder that, that can do the dirty yeah. work can put in a challenge play the simple pass he normally he normally lacks in his final product um, but you know obviously put him away do, do, him, do him the world of good um, Villa yeah Villa not, maybe not having a start this season they, they probably expected after spending all that dollar that, that they got from uh, that greasy diver <laughs> as Billy would say um where do you see Villa going this season? What what would be what would be considered a successful season for Villa? I think like yeah, mid table and just I think just to stay away from the relegation battle, really. Um like if they had won this match, they'd be ahead of Tottenham. But as it mm-hmm. is Tottenham won it and are ahead of them. So but like there's not much 
Not many points in it in the middle. Um, I've actually been impressed with Villa. Like, I thought they'd really struggle without Grealish. And I think they would have, like, the season before last, when they were trying to stay up, when they first came up. But, like, they've turned into just their own team, and he doesn't seem to be that big of a loss to them. They've adapted really well. And obviously their signings have helped them with that. So, yeah, I think I think at the start of the season, they would have just been a bit nervous, the fans, about how it was going to go. But it looks like they'll be like comfortably mid-table at this rate. I think so. I think with the money spent, they might have considered to be somewhere around that sort of Euro Conference League place. Um, but I think we'll probably, I think we'll pr- probably see the best of Villa neither the latter stages of this season where these new players have really had a chance to settle in. You know, we've yet to see the best of Leon Bailey, and every every minute I've seen from Leon Bailey has been impressive. Um, you know, Danny Ings. He was, he was, sorry, he was a. I forgot to mention. He, you, you obviously missed that that game against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really big miss. Um, I, I, I've been impressed with him. I, I've I've watched him um, a couple of times in the Bundesliga. Um, I, so I, I think there's definitely more to come with him. He's he's young. He's got a lot of potential. Um, but yeah, I think I think he was actually a really big miss yesterday. Yeah, I think he's he's definitely. I think the player with the highest ceiling at Villa is probably is probably Leon Bailey. A, a great signing for them. A marquee signing for them. I would really say that to mean that they, they they are looking to progress in some way or another. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll see the best of Villa near the the last stages of the season where these players really really settle in and hopefully we'll see runs in the team for the likes. I saw you know your your Buendias and your your Danny Ings and and. and Bailey all on the all on the pitch at the same time, um, even Watkins to an extent. Uh, we next go to um, West Ham Brentford. Brentford upsetting the odds again. I think West Ham they are on a terrific run. Um, you know they they lose to Brentford and Brentford just like to they just seem to like to turn up and ruin everybody's day, um, which is which is good for them. Uh, I'll cover you, Paul. Uh, this Brentford side not too bad, not too shabby. Eh? No, not too shabby at all. Um, I think they they met West Ham at a good time, as in straight after. The, their game on Thursday. I think that's always a good time to play these teams, like the teams who didn't expect to be in Europe, and then suddenly are with pretty much the same squad. But yeah, Brentford, they could they'll give anyone a game this season. Like they've they're not this squad or club that have just kind of found themselves in the Premier League. They've been planning for it for years, and um, yeah, they're finally there, and they just like they just look like they're all born to play at this level, and they all know what they're doing, and they just. They're not overawed by the occasion at all, um, and yet to be like to be drawn back to one all in the 80th minute. That Bowen finish actually was unreal. I thought it was a great strike, and then to yeah nick it in the end. Like that's two weeks in a row where they've shown bottle to come back, especially like against Liverpool. But West Ham, yeah, are no pushovers at the moment at all. So um, yeah. really, really good side these days. Really, yeah. really good side. Um, great result. I think about Brentford. I, I can't recall a, t- a team that's really got away from Brentford. I mean, every game, even when they've, they've not got the result, they've kept it really tight, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think speaks volumes to just how the preparation being done at Brentford. And, and you know, I, you know I'll, 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 I'd like to see sort of this next season and the season beyond that, um, where things get tough uh, and players are linked heavily by moves. Um, <laughs> players are wanting Premier League money. There's a, the, sometimes you, you go through a rough patch in the Premier League and it's hard to, to get out of it. Um, these are the sort of things that they'll, 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 they'll be up against. But right now, they're, they're in that, that lovely stadium, um, enjoying these massive crowds, these massive away days as well. So, you know, I hope, I'm hoping all the fans are really enjoying it because this is, this is a huge season for them. I think the first season in the top flight. Um, so very much well received in the Premier League. And I, I predict that Ivan Tony is going to be going to the World Cup because he is a tremendous footballer. 
Um, what are your thoughts on it, Adam? Ah, oh, he's he's brilliant, isn't he? He's he's absolutely brilliant. I think he makes it even better. Just again, from a, a Liverpool point of view, that he, he is a boyhood Liverpool fan. Um, you mentioned uh, some of the difficulties may come where where they get uh, players being linked away. Um, I do really like Brentford. I think they'll stay in the Premier League um, for for many years to come with with the setup that they've got. But I do hope Liverpool sign Ivan Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh yeah i i think as you mentioned with the the preparation that that brentford have done we've gone into it i think i've i've mentioned it uh before on screamers they were i think around the similar time to liverpool actually they were the ones that were introducing these types of throwing coaches and and getting people in from nasa to really like um study the, the the tactics and and just just how to get every single like uh advantage from any game that they play and and, and get the most possible out of every single game um and uh, and and I think it's we've seen, we've seen it's working wonders you you said that even games that they, where things haven't gone their, their way they've kept it tight I think it's only a one 0 loss to Brighton that I think that's their only loss of the season um correct me if I'm wrong um They've just they've just been breathtaking to watch um, every, every single time, and and the manager um, he, he Thomas Frank he he's magnificent, absolutely like just just a, just a a, a master tactician. Um, feels feels really ridiculous saying that about a Brentford manager, but but he really really is. He really, as he gets a um, lot of stuff right, he gets and, his substitutions really and, bang and, on as well. Well, yeah, again, this, it was the because it was Mbemu who scored the first goal. It was the the uh, we how do you pronounce it? Wisa, Wisa. The, the the substitute came on mm-hmm. and, and was the one to to bag the last minute winner as well for them. And you know, so, so again, it's another bang on substitution from uh, from Thomas Frank. I, I think I think Brentford are, are going to be a real handful for, for a lot of teams, and 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 will realise I think fairly quickly that that they're here to stay. Um, speaking of managers that here to stay, Patrick Vieira. What a start to the season! What character! to come back from 2-0 down against Leicester. Generally a team that's not particularly easy to come back because they're, they're, very, they're very good at setting ourselves into a counter-attack and, then, and when teams come out to play against them, they gen- generally have a wee bit of joy against. But it doesn't seem to be going Leicester's way this season. Um, there must be, I think there's a few things going on in the club, but um, I want to speak to how good um, Palace were in this match in the second half in particular. I think they're a wee bit. <laughs> I think they're a wee bit unfortunate concede to concede those in the first half as well. Uh, but Patrick Vieira got his um, got his subs absolutely bang on. Both both substitutes getting a goal. Uh, Christian Benteke, the third substitute, um, came very close as well. But obviously, it's Benteke. It's not going to go that well for him. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they seem to be they seem to be on the up. Um, Paul, um, that's no Palace side. What a side, eh? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like you said, they they were pretty dominant. Uh, definitely before the two goals went in, like it was a defensive error, obviously for the first one. Um, so yeah, that could have easily like knocked them and knocked their confidence. And I think last season it would have would have been game over. But Vieira's brought something different to the team, and you can kind of see it. You can see it in the way they play. And yeah, I think Leicester aren't exactly the team they were last season, where they could have closed this out. But yeah, Palace really came back at it and easily deserved the draw, if not like on the whole performance to win. Um, yeah, not really sure what the story is with Leicester. I was watching them during the week and they were 1-0 down against Legia Warsaw and for the second half just didn't do anything, like nothing at all. They were playing a slightly different team 
and rested a few players. But yeah, I don't know. It seems a seems a weird one at the moment. They're definitely lacking confidence now after a few dodgy results. I think I so. Think I mean, we, you'd expect a, a Premier League side to do any any sort of sort of put any sort of Polish side to to the salt. Yeah. Um, yeah, a few difficulties there. Um, not going, not going, Brendy Rogers' way uh, at the minute. Um, the the speaking of the individuals in this match, I think young uh, Joachim Anderson, or I think that's how you say his first name. Uh, Billy is a huge admirer of of him. Um, uh, unfortunate for young defender, but he did actually did a wee, a wee bit of justice. He was the one that sprayed the the ball out to the left for the for the um, I believe the first or second pass goal to come. Um, so. I think uh, he's just very much getting to the to the pace of the Premier League because I think he was a little bit at fault for the second goal as well. Not completely, but could have probably done a little bit better. Um, but despite Leicester having a bad time, Jamie Vardy is having a great old time. I think he's top of the, <laughs> I think he's top of the scoring. Um, I think six goals he's got in the Premier League this season, Jamie Vardy. So not going bad, not going too badly for him at all. Um, tell me, Adam, are you any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say actually with. With Leicester, I think probably the most worrying thing for them is um, in recent years, they've relied very heavily on the fact that they start seasons really well um, and sort of maintain that up until like the business end of the season. Um, you know, this is why I, I maintain the fact that Brendan Rodgers is just a bottle job. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe carrying some hurt from his Liverpool days, but uh, he, he can just never seem to see a season out. Um, and I think the fact that except for those even... three times at Celtic, of course, yeah, yeah. Except for... <laughs> well, I, I think, I well, think that, that we could win win the league with Celtic. Uh, I, say, I, could, I could win a league with Celtic, and very much very quick when the as if Rangers going to have any sort of turnaround. He was like, "Oh, I'm out of here, yeah, Jimmy, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Straight, straight out of there." Gerard puts a bit of pressure on him, and he's gone. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I I I think I'd be really worried if I was a Leicester City fan, especially with the teams above them that have strengthened. Obviously the top four look a different class altogether. Um and the fact that they haven't got off to their great start that, that we sort of know them for and and I I just I don't really see a way in which they they compete for the top four. I think they'll still be there or thereabouts sixth, but it's a, a bad start for them. But I, again, I just I, I said it last week. I, I have to say it again. I I, I have to apologise with Patrick Vieira. Um, I was so wrong. I, I thought there was no way he'd be able to to come and, and drastically change the style of this Crystal Palace team that that we've all known be, to be so sort of resolute under under Roy Hodgson. And uh, and, and he's came in. He's he's done it so quickly. Not not only the style, but as as uh, as a uh, Paul touched on earlier the mentality. Um, Palace were pretty dominant anyway, even even at two 0 but, but the way in which they went in at half time, came in, turned the game around. Unlucky not to win as well. Actually, you mentioned the Benteke chance. There was also a chance from uh, Edward that hit the hit the crossbar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought Palace were really unlucky not not to take all three points from this one. Um, and and <laughs> again, massive credit has to go to. To Patrick Vieira, and and to, considering the fact that he's not even got Eze back in this team, which is you know he, he was by far their most creative player last season. I'm really excited to see what Vieira can go can get uh, him playing like. Yeah, I think Young Alessio looks a great talent. I think about eight and a half million they got him for. Kind of looks a bit like a steal like right that. now when you kind of look at that sort of ready-made Premier League level sort of youngster. Um, yeah, so credit to Pat. I mean, the thing I like about him is how cool and calm he is, and I think. 
it's he's asking his players for the simple things, you know. They they spoke a lot of Zaha and I think Ayu did a, a joint interview together where they spoke about how they've not really enjoyed the double training sessions, but they are enjoying um having a lot more attack and freedom on the pitch. because um, I think it's very much if you're gonna if you're gonna change from a Roy a Roy Hodgson style, you need to get you need to increase sort of fitness. I think it's been I think it's been a difficult old training camp uh, at Crystal Palace. Um, but you're not gonna you're not gonna not work hard when Patrick Vieira standing five foot away for you, um, scowling. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I really really rate him. It's so it's so good to see him in the league. I think he's really really well received from the neutrals. Um, um, and yeah, long may it continue because the Crystal Palace play some some really to, um, superb football this season. Uh, we next go to the Liverpool Man City the thigh rubber. Um, some some um, neutrals are calling it the game of the season so far, and in a, in a season where we've already seen some pretty tasty games. Um, two two, you can you can listen to a more in depth um, review of this match um, on our Total Liverpool podcast, which is a separate podcast based on all things Liverpool, um, hosted by myself, Adam, Jake, and Deej, who you would have all heard on the screamers before if you've been a, a listener for any sort of time. Um, but I'm going to come straight to you, Paul. Um, give us your thoughts on the on the Man City Liverpool game. Um, oh, it was unreal, wasn't it? It was just like a throwback or something, nearly uh, in the end to like those Arsenal uh, United games. Back in like mid two thousands, um, it's just the quality. Like when you the Salah goal was just incredible, and the his <laughs> Mane's goal was just outrageous as well. Like, um, and then the play, like City, I thought were by far the better team for I don't know seventy minutes, I guess. Like before the goals and then after the goal. Um, but having said that, once once City got back into it at what all then. They didn't look like getting the second, I didn't think. And then Liverpool got the second. And then, yeah, it was disappointing. Like, Liverpool's defence is just, obviously, it's just not where it should be at the moment. And they ex- City exploited Milner. I think it was definitely, Milner should have got closer to Foden. You could see what he's trying to do. He's trying to block the pass across goal. And it's obviously easy to say when he, like, hits it in the bottom corner uh, that he should have done better. But, yeah, they exploited Milner and obviously... Miller should have been sent off. It just—it was just one of those games, just that had everything. Like it was just class to watch. And yeah, you can't be. I wasn't too disappointed with the draw. Obviously, you want to win, but like, I don't think Liverpool really deserve to win. Like two moments of brilliance, and they're fairly rubbish. Other than that, I thought like they—I don't know. Yeah, they just—they weren't at it in the first half at all. And then second half, they were a bit better. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think thought a draw was fair enough. I think Liverpool are incredibly fortunate going to half time no no. Um but I yeah. think Liverpool did really, really well to, to apply the pressure at certain in certain areas of the second half. Um James Milner incredibly fortunate to remain on the pitch. Um he obviously had a difficult time of defending against Phil Foden. Uh, Man City were very much in the vein of um of sending the ball out to Phil Foden whatever way, even from directly from Ederson at one point. Um yeah, it's, it was a superb watch if you write off that that sort of first half. Um, I think this this is sort of the fixture, isn't it? It's it is, you when you in that second half, you can you can blatantly see you're watching two of the best sides in and world football, and it had that sort of look at the end of the game where like you know Jurgen and and Pep have been screaming all game. They kind of embrace each other and all the. It's, it's very much a mark of respect, I think, and it's um. It's it's one of my favourite fixtures of the season, even though even though like as a Liverpool fan, I, I, I do want to see. I take away the three points. I saw always, even though these games sometimes they can go. I mean, if you look at the the, the time before we played City and, and lost dreadfully, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a great fixture to watch. Um, Adam, give us your thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, just just sort of echoing echoing what what Paul said. Really, I, I thought City were probably the better team um, on on the whole of the game. Certainly in the first half, um, Liverpool just looked in the first half just looked flat. Um, we spoke about it on on total total Liverpool. We just couldn't get the ball out. Um, I, I thought the the actual defense overall did did quite well. Um, a, apart from James Milner, who was just exploited time and time again by by a brilliant Phil Foden. Um, yeah, it was it, it was one of those games. I think especially the second half where where the game itself picked up. You could it, I think it was very apparent these are the two best teams in the Premier League. Um, we we've speak spoken about Chelsea and and to a less extent Manchester United. I still see these two teams as being um, just 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 a cut above. Um, you know, I, I think they're they're both genuinely on on their own level still, um, even with the investment of the other two clubs. Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was a brilliant game to watch from from a neutral point of view. On on one hand, I'm I'm very sort of very happy with the draw from the sense that. Like I said, City, City were probably the better team. Milner was lucky to to stay on the pitch, but I just think on the flip side, when you think about how um, Liverpool took the lead twice and weren't able to hold it, um, the Fabinho chance that, that Rodri blocked mm-hmm. it was a, a, an outrageous block from Rodri, um, brilliant from him. Um, you know, you, you sort of saw it as, as almost being a certain goal. I think you referenced Simo that, that time felt like it just slowed down and, it did and the me. net looked yeah, so it big. Felt it like the time slowed like down, the net goal. got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then eventually, obviously, it didn't come off. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and obviously the the second City goal as well. It's you want Matip to be in that position to block the ball as as a defender. You want him to be there. But Alison was saving the shot, you know. So it's <laughs> it's just so it's so sort of heartbreaking to 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 not win a game like that. But I think on like like we've discussed before, I think on the balance of the whole play, um, it, it was probably a fair result. Yeah. Just just one one extra thing to touch on. Mah- yeah. Mohamed Salah is the best player in world football right now. He is. Absolutely. Um, and I, w- I won't I won't hear otherwise. Um, I, and and the goal, I think the goal, the goal justifies it. I honestly, I don't. The second goal, sorry, I don't think there's another player in in the world capable of scoring that goal right now. I just don't think there is. Like, can Messi and Ronaldo still score a goal like that? I, I don't think so. The strength he showed to to sort of shrug off Rodri gets away from like the. I think it was Rod. Uh, no, not Rodri. Sorry, he, he strengths off Cancelo, then uh, shoves off the Foden who tries to push him in the back. Ball rolls Bernardo Silva, puts him on his ass, spins Laporte inside out, and then to put it in on that angle with your right foot, that weakened foot, posting in with that finish. It, oh my god! It's the best goal I've ever seen him score. It was incredible. I am a I am a Liverpool fan, so the, it, it may be biased. It may be, but he is the best goal I've ever seen him score, and and he's just he's truly on on a planet of his own right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard it here. Um, thank you very much to, to Paul and Adam for joining me today. And uh, thank you very much for our listeners uh, who are tuning in every single week. Um, we've only been 
releasing one episode a week for for quite a long time now, probably about four or five weeks, and we're we're looking at bringing our schedule back up to what it used to be, and maybe getting two or three episodes out a week. Um, so look forward to that if you're if you're still with us and you've made it all the way through uh, our long podcast. Um, but until next time, uh, cheer bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.